0: 42 is a tuition-free developer school for students from ages 18 to 30. It was started by Xavier Niel, a French billionaire who wanted to encourage a new model of software education. 42 has campuses in France and Silicon Valley. 42 has very high standards for the students that it admits because the students that get in are not paying tuition, but they have 24-7 access to high-quality computers and a beautiful campus. Unlike coding boot camps, 42 lasts three to five years. Students who graduate are equipped with both computer science theory and the practical ability to see projects through on their own. Brittany Burr is the chief operating officer of 42 Coding School in Silicon Valley, and she joins the show to talk about how 42 works and the future of programming education. At 42, the focus is on peer-to-peer learning. Students complete projects of their own choice, and they're also required to take on internships and get real-world work experience. If you like listening to this episode, download the Software Engineering Daily app for mobile. We have it on iOS and Android, and you can hear all of our old episodes and discover new topics that might interest you. We've got 600 episodes in our back catalog, and it can be hard to find the episodes that appeal to you, So we hope our recommendation system within the app helps with that. And if you're interested in contributing to our apps or to our web app, which we are working on, you can go to github.com slash softwareengineeringdaily. We're starting to get a lot of contributors, and we would love to have your help. You can hop into the Slack channel, and we'll discuss what you might want to work on. Or you can send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. Thanks for listening. Brittany Beer is the COO at 42 Coding School. Brittany, welcome to Software Engineering Daily.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. Very, It's nice to meet you.
0: Yes, it's nice to meet you as well. And today we're talking about 42, which is a tuition-free developer school with quite an interesting backstory, quite an interesting model for training developers let's start with the idea of a coding school which the, these were these coding schools were actually around in the first dot com boom I've, I've read a little bit about how there was a boom in coding schools back then it didn't work so well just like every aspect of the internet in you know the, the late 90s but in web 2.0 we've seen this boom in coding boot camps developer schools a lot of them seem very successful, very useful. What are the pros and cons of the modern coding school model?
1: To speak about coding schools and the coding school model, I think what I would talk about more would be about what it is here at 42 Because there are various different coding school models and we're quite different from some of the other coding schools that are out there. There's school, uh, the bootcamp model, which is where you go out for about eight to 12 weeks and you learn a very specific set of skills in a very short amount of time, and then they put you out on the market. But more concretely, what we do here at 42 is we're a three to five year program. So we're not focusing on teaching students very specific skills to then put them directly out onto the market in a very short amount of time with a limited knowledge which will, could become obsolete from one day to the next. Here at 42, what we do as a coding school is we have a three- to five-year program where the students start off learning uh, some of the basics about coding But then they can go on to dabble into various different projects. And so actually, when they first start off, one of the last processes for selection for admissions into our three to five year program is what's called a PCN. And so it's a four week intensive coding session uh, where students are learning how to program in C language to start off with. And this gives them the basis that they'll need to be then able to go on and learn other languages and learn how to adapt and evolve to an ever-changing coding market once they leave here at 42.
0: Did you say you start the students off in C? Yeah,
1: we start them off in C language. So during the P scene, we begin from the very basics. So we chose C specifically because it's more of a lower-level programming language, and so. It's closer to what it is the computer is saying when it's interacting with your program than something like Python or Ruby, which can often look a lot like reading something in English when you look at some of the code from time to time. And so in addition to that, rather than teaching the students to be really well-versed in uh, a particular coding language and learning what types of functions exist in that language and just learning how to essentially copy and paste and get really good at knowing what function to use in what situation, we actually turn the table around on the students and we say, these functions exist, but you cannot use them. You now have to think about what those functions are doing, how they're interacting with the computer, and now you need to write those functions yourselves and have your programs use those functions. So rather than teaching the students to use a language and to copy and paste, we're actually teaching the students... How to think, how to think about what it is they want to do, so that they can build and create their own solutions.
0: If if you're starting with C, you're going from low level language to high level as the program or as the you know 42 uh, continues for a student. I find that to be an interesting contrast between 42 and other coding boot camps because a lot of the other coding boot camps I've seen and interviewed, they start with Ruby on Rails or JavaScript. And I think part of the reason they do that is because if you start off with those languages, people get excited. They see, oh, I can build a web page really quickly with this. It's nice. It's cool. You know, I change one line of code and it makes this image disappear. It makes this image appear. It renders a GIF, something cool like that. And if you're starting with C, it's more like the hello world you know, slower lead time to uh, satisfaction. However, I can see that making complete sense because with forty-two, it's it's tuition-free. It's a nonprofit, and you're you don't have the goal of giving the students a pleasurable playground of you know of seeing things materialize into web pages and and feeling like, oh, I'm super powerful early on, you're taking the long game approach. And, you know, if a student can't handle the slower gratification of working with C, maybe they're not right for 42 in the first place.
1: Well, yes and no, actually. So I don't know if uh, you knew this already, but I had actually passed the 42 program when we were in Paris, France, when the school opened in Paris. And so I can tell you that while we may not have the websites where you can all of a sudden have a picture as soon as you modify the code, you definitely get very excited after about 30 minutes of segmentation faults and code errors when all of a sudden you have a letter which starts (laughs) appearing on your screen once you're trying to just print out some of the string letters or when you're able to actually learn how to count and iterate through a string you get very excited even for those small things so while it may be the simple pleasures in life I would say that it's also a huge accomplishment because you're realizing that you're able to communicate with the computer and to be able to do some of the fundamental things but which will help you do great things afterwards and the progression is quite quickly actually from Started the PC to towards the end of the PC as well, you're being able to start creating programs where you'll be de- designing images, which will appear on the screen as well. So it is a it's a different it's a different type of pleasure and what it is you see on the screen.
0: I totally respect that. I mean, I started off in Java when I started studying computer science in, in college and Java is, I would say somewhere between C and JavaScript in terms of its how much high level satisfaction you can get out of the language from a few quick hits of it for me certainly hello world or iterating through a string was exciting enough to motivate me to continue working on computer science you've talked about this p scene a couple times and i was researching 42 and got an understanding for what this p scene is it's the early the earliest process of the coding education at 42. And it's, I believe, four weeks where you are in the computer lab seven days a week. So it's like 28 straight days of programming. It's very intense. What's the motivation for that intensity for that super intense beginning phase of students who get into 42 and who start learning?
1: So one of the things that I always say is that The Piscine, which means swimming pool, as you said, is a very good motivation tester. So one of the ideas behind 42, why 42 was created in in the first place, was Xavier Niel, who is the French billionaire and philanthropist who finances this school, who owns a major telecommunications company in France, was talking with one of his top programmers at the company one day. And so he asked her actually what her background was, where she had come from and why was she now one of the top programmers at his company. And he found actually that rather than her being one of the top students at one of the best schools in France, that in reality, she had been a high school dropout who had up until recently been working at a pet store selling hamsters. However, how did she get from that to being one of the top programmers at a top telecommunications company in France? was that she was given this opportunity by a school called Web Academy, which was founded by Nicolas Sadiac, who is also one of the co-founders of 42. And the idea for this intense admissions program comes from the idea that many people fall out of the traditional school system, or according to the grades that we are given in the traditional school system, we are not deemed then qualified to attend a traditional school. We fall out of the system. However, in reality, some of these individuals, they're not connecting with the system or they're not excelling in the system simply because that's not how they learn. And they have an incredible amount of talent and motivation, but they have no way to prove this. And so changing from the, this kind of traditional model, we decided to opt for one where we would take an individual, not based on what it is they had done in their academic or financial past, we put all of that aside and we look at their potential. And so the P scene is so intense because we want to measure the potential and we want to measure the motivation of an individual. Is this something that they really want? I mean, having gone through a PC myself, I always say that nobody is going to put themselves through a P scene unless they are really motivated and they want to be there. I mean I remember on my third day of the beach scene, one of the girls, she just said, no, this is too hard. There's just, it's too much of a challenge for me. You know, I could be on a beach right now in Nice with a cocktail in my hand. And here I am trying to solve these equations. And so I think it's a really good way for us to also weed out those that aren't going to be motivated to follow through with the program, especially because it is a program which is completely free. That's quite an incentive for a lot of people to come. Otherwise, we would have thousands and thousands of people who doesn't want to come for a free education. But the thing is is that education is maybe free, but the problem is, is you also have to work hard to get it. I mean, nobody is going to become a programmer from one day to the next simply by just coming to a school. You have to be motivated. You have to work for it. And so I think that the PCN is a really good sort of test and preview of what it's going to be like in the coming months during the three to five year program. And it shows the students that, you know, you may be able to become a programmer, but it takes a lot of hard work and it may be free, but you're going to have to put in a lot of elbow grease to get where you want to get.
0: The PCN is further down the funnel, from the top of the funnel. What's at the top of the funnel? Describe the screening process for the thousands of people who apply to go to 42.
1: So the application process is actually quite simple. The idea is that we want to encourage as many people as possible from all different kinds of backgrounds. We don't want to necessarily take in the ones that have the best grades in math. We're not looking for those that have the best grades in science. Really, 42 can be completed by anybody and everybody. So be it an individual that already has a general engineering degree, be it somebody that has no technical experience whatsoever. We have people that have been plumbers. We have people that have been fire twirlers, bakery chefs. We have people that have been also computer programmers before as well. That want to come to 42 so the idea is that how do we test for an individual that doesn't necessarily have that kind of background that technical background how do we test and see if they would succeed in an environment like 42 so the idea is that we want to see do they have a programming logical state of mind first so they may not have all of the tech experience in the world they may not have grown up in the Silicon Valley or a tech environment but do they have this programming logical state of mind? And so the very first step would be to enroll online on our admission site, and then they would complete two logical tests online. So these logic tests are quite simple. They don't test your English or your French level. It's simply two games that you have to play and persist with. And then at the very end, we have an evaluation and we see whether or not that during those tests, Did you succeed? Did you demonstrate that you had the motivation, that you had the perseverance, and that logical programming state of mind? Or did you give up? And so at the end of that, we do the first selection. And so that's the part that's very easy. Then comes the P scene. So the P scene is the final step before coming into the three to five-year program. And that's where we really test an individual's motivation and also their ability to thrive in this type of learning environment.
0: So the students have to be between 18 and 30 years old, and that's a very specific range. Why do you only take students who are between 18 and 30 years old?
1: So 18 and 30 years old comes from the history that we have in previous schools before. So with some of my colleagues, they have experience back to 1990s in the education domain in France. And so they have been particularly specializing for those years in education that exists right after high school. So directly from high school into the education system. Also in France, when you create a school, you actually have to set an age limit. You can't just set an age limit from 18 to whenever. It has to be a very specific age limit in order for you to set up a school. And so when they had created schools prior to 42, they had always had 18 to 30. And then so when we decided to come out to the United States, We decided upon launching that we would stick to what we know, and that was right out of high school education, so in between the ages of 18 to 30.
0: Do you have any personal beliefs about the biology that's going on in the brain between the years 18 and 30, or any reasons other than your own historical experience with people who are 18 to 30 years old, beliefs about nature or nurture that make that a ripe time for coding education?
1: I don't have any personal beliefs about the brain uh, between ages 18 and 30, nor do I have anything against anybody that's over the age of 30. I think that specifically we chose this as a strategic decision simply because that was what we had done beforehand. I think it's definitely possible for people that are over 30 to be able to do something that is quite similar. However, it is a massive time commitment. So Those that already have a mortgage, that have a family going, that have other obligations are obviously going to have a much harder time devoting 10 to 15 hours a day to code on a daily basis, especially during the PC time. We are working on some other programs, though. They're only in the testing phase right now. In France, we have a program going with Pôle emploi, which is the French unemployment agency, For individuals that are over the age of 55 that have been unemployed for two years, they're able to come and do an accelerated program at 42 because they don't necessarily have all the time to devote to a full-time three- to five-year program because they already have other obligations in their lives. And so we've been doing that now for almost two years, and so we're waiting to get the results back from that to see how well that is succeeding. And then also here at 42, we have here in the Silicon Valley, we're currently working on developing a program specifically for high schoolers. So we actually developed a summer camp, which lasted for two weeks for high school students which was very successful. And with that, we did something that was much more simplistic. So rather than putting them through the scene, we did, as you said, we did something much more interesting and visual friendly. We we worked with Ruby. And so the kids were working on creating different games, creating websites. And now we're actually going to be doing an eight-month-long Saturday sort of school with high school students that are looking to prepare for the AP CSP exam.
0: Well, describe the curriculum for 42. So you start off with the scene and it's a brutal four weeks of training. Do you just like sit people in front of computers and then have them run through stuff? Or is it like classes? What goes on during the scene and then what happens afterwards?
1: So what goes on during the scene is much like what's going to happen afterwards. So 42 is very different in the sense that we're entirely peer-to-peer based, project-based education. So what that means here concretely is that we do not have any professors, we do not have classes, and we do not have lectures. It's entirely project-based, entirely peer-to-peer. So essentially the students are sitting down in front of a computer, they're learning about the project that they're going to need to work on, and then they have the freedom to be as creative as possible within the confines of the subject to find their own solution.
0: And why is that project-based learning important?
1: So I think a lot of times... In school, we focus a lot on theory first before actually going into application. And so what happens and what we've heard from many of the different employers in the industry is that they're very dissatisfied with the individuals that are coming out of the traditional school system because they know the theory, they know the language, they know the vocabulary, but they don't have the practical knowledge nor the experience encoding these kinds of solutions. And so one of the things that this particular type of program has been very successful for is, for example, if a client comes to you and they have no technical background whatsoever, they're going to ask you to create an application that can generate thousands of phone numbers in one minute. And so rather than taking a school approach where we would say you're going to create this type of application where it's going to generate thousands of phone numbers in under a few minutes, so you should maybe look into uh, several of these different algorithms to generate that, these students are going to know what their objective is, and they're going to be able to come up and generate their own solution for that. And so that's one of the things which really sets those individuals apart is that they don't have this habit of first seeing an example from the teacher and then going and doing it, they're actually diving directly into the material itself. It's kind of like when you're learning how to walk when you're a baby, you don't necessarily sit through and your parents start talking to you about the theory of velocity or gravity. You're not going to sit down and have courses about that. They're going to pick you up, prop you up on your feet, and you're going to try and walk. And yes, you're going to fall down a few times, you're maybe going to hit your head, But each time you try, you're failing, but you're learning from your mistakes. And so you're learning through doing. And so that's one of the reasons why this project-based learning is so important. is because the students are directly learning through their mistakes and learning through trial and error, trial and error.
0: When I read about the way that education, our modern education system has developed, like public schools and even college, a lot of it seems to be holdovers from the industrial revolution where all of a sudden we had a lot of jobs where the the description of the job was very well defined and what you're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis is very well defined. And that's still how some jobs are today, but it's quite clear that the direction that jobs are going in is more creativity, more autonomy, and those jobs are not well, the students who have been trained with the industrial revolution mentality are not well suited to those those creative jobs. Would you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, I think definitely the world is shifting from this industrial-based society to a more digital-based society where it's no longer going to be important where you can mass produce a physical object. You're actually going to need to be thinking and reflecting on new solutions to help Better the problems that we have at hand because we'll now have machines that will be able to mass produce these items. And so the need for skills for different workers is going to change here in the future and is changing right now, where we have more and more need for individuals that have technical competencies that are able to produce these technical solutions versus being able to go and work in the manufacturing industries.
0: You touched on theory versus practice. Now, over a three- to five-year period, the students are in 42 for three to five years. That's enough time to learn both theory and practice. So, like, these coding boot camps that we talked about at the beginning, those, I think, are more relegated to the practical aspect. And the modus operandi for them is if you learn how to do stuff practically the theory can be derived from your practical experience eventually. And I think that's true. I think it's also true that you could learn theory and practice concurrently, or you could learn theory first and then build practical applications on top of that. How does the 42 curriculum represent, or describe how the 42 curriculum represents the, the tension between theory and practice or, or how you teach both of them?
1: In reality, we don't really teach because we don't have teachers. We leave it up to the students to learn. Now, how does theory go into the 42 curriculum? Well, obviously, the students are going to have to advance on their projects. And so while they're trying to figure out different solutions for their projects, they're going to start in their research, they're going to start learning about some of these different theories. So it's not that we don't teach them these theories. It's that it's something that they're going to learn through the projects that they're working on. Talk a little bit more
0: about how the school functions in the absence of teachers. Are there people that are like experienced that are wandering around? Because I've seen the, the pictures. It's, it's sort of just like a big computer lab, and people are just sitting at the computers working. They're collaborating with each other. Are there authoritative people who are walking around who can answer questions in addition to the students asking each other?
1: So the short answer to that is no. We do have pedagogical staff, which are here on the campus. So those are the individuals who are going to be creating the different projects for the students and that are going to be reviewing, ensuring that the projects, as they are completed, are being completed correctly and that the students are progressing and learning through those projects but are they wandering around through the yeah. well, we call them clusters the computer labs are they going to be wandering around in those clusters and helping the students and responding to their questions no the students are there because they want they know that they want to be able to learn and to progress on their own so we're trying to create individuals to be as autonomous as possible so Rather than taking this crutch that we have where we have this idea that in traditional school we have one person who holds all the knowledge and that one individual should be the one that we always go to, what that looks like when we go into a career is that many times individuals are going to come upon a problem and they're going to immediately turn to their supervisor to fix that problem for them. And so one of the things that we've heard from when our students go out onto different internship opportunities or go off and work into the workforce is that students at 42 have gained this knowledge from the beginning where they know that they have a question. And so what happens with one day you are that supervisor? Who are you going to turn to? Well, you're going to turn to the person that's on your left, the person that's on your right, other individuals that have the same expertise in that field or have the same level as you. Or that maybe have a different knowledge in a different field that you have. And you're going to ask them questions. And if all else fails, then you're going to start doing your own research to be able to build that solution. And so rather than allowing them to remain on that crutch and to ask the one person that holds all the knowledge... We're teaching them from the beginning what it's going to be like when you open your own startup and you need to build a solution that didn't necessarily exist beforehand. And so you're going to have to think about how you're going to create that from scratch. So they're going to be learning right from the start, you know, how to go about and and create new solutions.
0: If the students are autonomously learning, though there's this you know, there's groups and people helping out each other. How do you enforce that the students are continuing to work and continuing to learn? How do you make sure that there's not some student that's just playing games on the computers all day or something like that?
1: Well, it's definitely, that's definitely something that happens whether we want it to or not. I mean, even in a traditional school, when you have a teacher in the, in the, in the classroom, you're going to have those that are (laughs) playing on their phones or doing that. But in the end, I mean, they have an objective, they know that they need to, uh, so at 42, they have different levels. Uh, So we have this process of gamification for the students to be able to judge how far they're advancing in the 42 curriculum, so they start off at level zero, and with each project that they complete, they gain a certain amount of experience points, and with those experience points, they need to level up, and so they start at level zero and they go to level 21. So we tell them that, especially in the beginning of their studies, they should be advancing at about one level per month, so they know how to pace themselves. For that, now, Can we ensure that they're sitting there and that they're utilizing every second in front of the computers, purely working on their projects? The answer to that is no, and it's not necessarily something that we want to. We're not here necessarily to babysit them. We're here to give them the tools and materials that they need for success. And then it's also one of the reasons why we test for motivation, why we test for those individuals that are going to push themselves be autonomous and self-disciplined is because that's those are the kinds of skills that you're also going to need in the real world to be able to encourage yourself to advance much like you would when you go into the real world and you have a job. You're going to need to be able to advance on your own, and you're not necessarily going to have a babysitter that will be behind you telling you to move on.
0: What's a prototypical student from 42? Walk me through the life cycle of what this kind of person is is doing before 42 and how their life changes during 42 and what it's like after
1: so a prototypical student it's really hard to come up with one specific personality for a student because we have such a wide student population a wide diversity of backgrounds where the students are coming from we've been doing a lot of different student profiles recently to talk with the students about where they come from and what it is they're doing now and so we have individuals, for example, who used to be a pizza delivery guy and were, was working at a pizza place for several years before coming here to 42 and is now advancing through the levels and is currently out looking for an internship at some of the top tech companies. We have other individuals. One gentleman, for example, he was an English teacher for several years. And after nine months of being here at 42, he's now gotten a job as a program manager in a tech company. We have other individuals. We have a, a gentleman in, in France who is Italian and he has a PhD in philosophy before coming to 42. And he's now coming up at the end of his three to five year program. And I actually personally, what I did beforehand is I had a bachelor's degree in Spanish, master's in European studies. And then I decided to do 42 and now I'm here working at 42 in the US. So what it is individuals do beforehand, I can't really say that there's one typical student that we have because we have such a wide diversity here at 42 of what individuals' backgrounds are. And that's actually one of the things that we strive for here at 42. That's one of the one of the great things about this particular admissions process that we have is that this is the kind of diversity that we need to be able to innovate and to create new programs in the future. If we went to if we wanted to pick all of the same individuals that looked the same before 42, there would really be no interest in having something like 42 because then you would just be churning out the same people as before and so how would 42 impact those individuals and change their lives you would Always be able to argue. Well, they were all fairly similar beforehand. Whereas at forty-two, once they come here, they they know what's expected of them. They know that they have to complete these projects, and then it's going to be up to them to modify their journey to arrive at that achievement. So, be it that they're here in the lab working all the time. Be it that they're working here in the lab for part of the time. That they're maybe participating in one of the student clubs on campus. Be it the yo-yo club, the Rock climbing club. There's an improv club. Be it that they want to go on dif- to different meetups in the in the Silicon Valley, and so they're going to fill up their car with kids and go to another uh, location to go hear some of these meetups. There's a really varied experience and a very varied type of prototypical student. What their life is like here on the campus.
0: You personally made the jump from having studied Spanish. Did you say Spanish and American Studies,
1: was it? I studied Spanish here in the U.S. with a minor in Global Studies. Global Studies. I moved to France and did a master's in European Studies, which is History, Political Science, Law, and Economy of the European Union. So obviously that has absolutely nothing to do with computer programming. But more importantly, at the same time, though, I was also working as an English professor at Computer Programming University. And so that's how I kind of heard about 42, was I was working at this computer programming university teaching English, and I heard my students speaking, and at some times I didn't quite understand what it is they were saying, and I realized that I wasn't necessarily understanding what they saying, not because their English was so terrible, but because they were talking about computer programming, and I didn't really understand that, and so I became intrigued by, by that, and when I heard that they were opening 42, it felt, well... I've got to at least try it out. I mean, worst comes to worst, I spend one month of my summer learning code.
0: Did you want to write the the next great novel or did you want to write literary theory? or something? Did you have a long-term vision for what your career was going to look like when you got that uh, education that was more in the arts or the uh, literary sciences? <laughs>
1: Each year, uh, I think uh, my vision kind of changed as to what it is I could potentially do. For a long time, I had originally thought about being a foreign language teacher, which I did that for several years. I taught English. uh, I taught French for a little while. I taught some Spanish for a short time. And then afterwards, I thought, well, maybe I could become a translator or interpreter or perhaps go into politics. At one time, I was thinking... (laughs) So I mean, it's kind of been this big exploration of what opportunities are available to me and what can I potentially do with what it is I'm learning.
0: Yeah, a similar experience for me and when I found computer science, I was like, Oh, this is the this is the thing that I can use to unlock my creative potential. There's so many different directions I can go in with this education. And I think other people share this experience that when you if you find out about computer science, especially like late later on in life, computer science programming, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I personally became quite an evangelist for it because I was like, this is so cool. More people should know about this. I have all these creative friends who are struggling to find the right mix of of creativity in their work. Environment, and you know, I became an evangelist and just started telling them, like, this is the path to using creativity in the workplace. Uh, you'll love it. It was hard to convert people, though. And I, you know, I still have friends that are a lot of friends who are struggling because their work is somewhat mechanistic, but their impulses are creative, or they grew up with creative impulse, impulses. Maybe they've lost faith in those. <laughs> Do you find that to be a, a, a experience that mirrors yours at all?
1: So I think it, it it's somewhat mirrors it in a sense where, for me, when I started uh, diving into computer programming, I thought this would be a great way for me to be able to potentially develop different programs to help other individuals learn languages or, or develop some websites which would be able to help connect individuals all throughout the world to be able to speak and communicate together to better international relations, to better also talking in a foreign language. So I saw computer programming as a way to help build off of the skills that I had already obtained in my previous studies.
0: Okay. So what's the longer term vision of 42? Is it going to be a city on a hill that exemplifies how Other educational institutions should work, or is it to just continue to expand to more campuses and generate more students? Give me a picture for the long-term goals.
1: So our long-term goals is definitely to make it possible for more individuals to have access to computer programming education. I mean, right now, especially here in the United States, there are so many barriers to education, be it financial, be it academic And so one of our goals is to make this programming education for individuals to be able to dive into the digital world easier to access. And so what that would look like here in the future would also mean that we would be able to have more individuals go out into the market as well to work in some of these different tech companies to help us evolve as a society in this new digital world that we are entering in.
0: What age do you think... People should start to learn to code? How early on, like if you could map out the K through 12 curriculum, where would you start the coding process?
1: I think that's a very good question. Where specifically to start out with? I think it's different for each individual, but I mean, obviously kids can start at quite a young age. I mean, they can start in elementary school with some of the different programs. It doesn't necessarily have to be coding in C, but I know there's different coding games which uh, kids would be able to use and participate in to create different adventures with different characters that they have so that they can start getting this notion of coding. So I think for something like that, you can start fairly young.
0: What are the other educational programs you've seen that make you optimistic? Things other than 42.
1: What do you mean? That make me optimistic about what it is we're doing or that make me optimistic about the advancement of of coding schools. In general. The
0: latter, the latter, the coding education more broadly.
1: I would say that one of the other schools that makes me enthusiastic about what is going on in coding education would be Holberton School, which is in San Francisco, and they have a model which is fairly similar to what it is we are doing here, although uh, their business model is a bit different from what it is we do here at 42. But I think that moving towards a coding school, which is focusing more on long-term objectives rather than short-term objectives, is definitely a step in the right direction.
0: So what's the most ambitious stuff you've seen out of the students of 42? Do they find themselves programming deep learning software or starting businesses? What, What are the hugest success stories you've seen?
1: There's a few stories that I can talk about. Here on, at the uh, Silicon Valley campus, we have some of our students who have just flown through the program and have really pushed themselves and gone above and beyond what our expectations were for them to advance through the level. And so they've actually been snapped up into the industry already. We have one of the students with within a few months, he had gained enough knowledge in addition to what he knew beforehand to be able to go out and get a position as a senior software developer at Instacart. We have three individuals who were taken into the LinkedIn Reach program as well. We also have other students who have chosen to stay here on campus, and they've been working on interesting projects like uh, a project called J-Gravity, where the students are mapping out dark matter on their computer screens, where uh, we also have another project, which they, they call The Hulk, which is a... A remote-controlled car, well, it's not remote-controlled, actually, it's controlled by AI, where they're trying to get the car to go through a sort of maze and stay within the lines. And we also have other individuals that have been working on projects where they would create sustainable planters where these planters would be able to test and measure the soil and know whether or not the plant needs more water whether it needs more fertilizer whether it needs more sunlight and be able to create a more sustainable farm agriculture for here on the campus
0: all right well britney's been great talking to you about 42 i find the coding school to be inspiring and i wish you continued success
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure talking with you too. Thank you for this opportunity.